0: Prepare to be schooled, but in a good way. Daniel Stanzas, the founder of World Changepreneurs Movement, teaches us two frameworks. You're really going to want to hear this. How to create an irresistible offer. And the second framework, how to take your business from an early stage to being a seven-figure business. This is an interview that I would definitely say is on the level of a masterclass. Take out your pen, take out your book, and prepare to be school. Believe me, you do not want to miss this interview. If that interests you, stay tuned. Welcome to Reinventing Perspectives, the show that's made for Christian entrepreneurs. We're going to talk about everything from faith to business principles to profitability to strategy to tactics to self-care. If you need it, we'll talk about it. I'm your host, Priscilla Shumba. Without wasting any more time, let's dive into our conversation. Today we have an amazing guest with us, Daniel Stanzas, and he is a business consultant and the leader of... World Changepreneur Movement. Daniel, thank you for joining us. And please, can you introduce yourself to our audience?
1: Yeah, awesome. Thanks for having me, Priscilla. It's so nice to join you and uh, meet your audience. So, yeah, I'm Nanny, 36, live in Germany, originally from the US, and have a beautiful wife and three children, and love doing business and helping other businesses thrive and reach their goals.
0: I'm just going to dive right into your journey as an entrepreneur because I know all my entrepreneurs, when they heard, World changepreneur movement. It is shot up a little bit. Tell me about your journey into entrepreneurship. How did this all start? I know you were corporate before.
1: Yeah, totally. So it's actually my second round being an entrepreneur. I was an entrepreneur. Um actually leaving my first job or training, I, I started in a bank. Um training thought, okay, I'll go to the bank, I'll learn all about how to make money. <laughs> there, but I noticed really quickly that um, I don't want to stay there because they're just not very helpful to people usually. So I'd like, okay, I want to be entrepreneur. I want to be able to help people on my own terms. So I was uh, five years as a financial consultant, but to be honest, back then I didn't really know what I was doing. I was working. I was uh, single. So just doing the entrepreneur thing, but not really knowing how and what to do. So I got married. My my wife was like, hey, how about you get a real job? So I was like, okay. So I got into this corporate job. Um, I was there 10 years and that's where I learned how high performers work. That's where I learned how to achieve goals and to perform at a very high level. I had an amazing journey there. I was there for 10 years or a bit over 10 years amazing success there, amazing clients there, learned a lot. But I noticed that after a while, just that being an entrepreneur and serving smaller clients was just something I really felt I I wanted to do because I was serving very, very big corporations like if you're Mercedes-Benz, probably Volkswagen or other big corporations here in Germany, Fujitsu, big, so big corporate clients. But it's just so much you can do for these big corporations. But for a small business, more hands-on, you can uh, see the change a lot uh, quicker and easier. And and usually there are a lot more satisfaction and all that. So that's kind of my journey, how I noticed, okay, I want to serve a different type of client. So that's kind of where I felt my heart leading and what I wanted to do I decided to leave that corporate job although I was on a safe journey actually to even become CEO of that company so everything was pretty set in stone what my journey would have been in that amazing company but I just noticed it's not for me I, I had a strong just feeling from God in my heart that there's a next step to take So that's when I left the safe boat, started my own entrepreneur journey. Yeah.
0: And is this what led to, because I know you went from a mindset of really business as usual to being about a movement.
1: In the beginning, it wasn't about the movement. In the beginning, I just wanted to help businesses. I just wanted to see how I can help them just scale, be more successful. And I realized that it is so important to make things more and bigger than about myself and I went just deep into okay why am I doing this what do I really want to achieve what do I want to have an impact about and every morning we'll uh, maybe talk about that later on but every morning like I go through like okay what's important to me what's my vision what's the the why you could say and one of my whys is to have eternal uh lasting like change you could say so not only on this earth but just having real um, impact eternally. I believe that as entrepreneurs, we should be enabled to not only have thriving great businesses that provide for us and our family, but to be enabled in the way that we have an impact around us and around our world. And That could be your local community, that could be charity stuff. And To kind of also tell you where that all came from is maybe also important because my parents were missionaries, twice actually. They were missionaries six years in um, New Guinea. so That's near Australia, right? So they were missionaries there for six years and later on here in Germany. And all that was only possible because there were entrepreneurs, and let's say, quote, unquote, rich people, um, but people that had more than enough to enable them to go. Okay, so I saw the impact Mm -hmm. that people can have when others stand behind them and enable others to make that impact. There's different ways of doing this, of course, but that was one way how I learned it in a very early age. And at a very early age, also, I just know my heart, I'm not probably going to be the one that's going to go into the mission field, but I definitely want to be the one that is enabling others so that's kind of where the dna started with all this and that's where i was like okay i want to help other entrepreneurs that have that same calling and mindset and help them become those world entrepreneurs to help them be successful that they have the resources to create that change and impact that they want to see in other lives and other people
0: wow that's a powerful seed that that's led to this that's really important especially to our audience of Christian entrepreneurs that are listening and i know from just browsing your work that you work a lot in frameworks my question really danny is an early entrepreneur, what is the four by four offer framework?
1: Yes, totally. So first off, why frameworks? I think frameworks are so important because you have a repeatable system without guesswork where you know it's a proven step-by-step with pretty much guaranteed results. And of course, you still need work and ability of everybody involved, but it's still a proven way to follow. And if the steps are taken, and pretty much guaranteed success. So that's why I just encourage to find frameworks and step-by-step systems that help no matter what anybody does, but it just helps to have repeated successful results. Now, the 4x4 offer creation framework was pretty much one of my first frameworks that I created because I noticed that having a very good offer is pretty much the foundation of any business. It doesn't matter if you're just starting out, Or if you're a multi-million corporation, um, even in my past organization. That was one of the first things, by the way, when I was learning all these things, trying them actually out still in my corporate job as a, as a marketing manager. I saw how these frameworks were working and how I was already starting to create them there. And that's when I was realizing like, whoa, wow, this stuff really works. And that's when I started working more on these frameworks. So the 4x4 offer creation framework that came about was where I realized, okay, what are the pieces that are needed to create an amazing offer? What are the pieces needed to have, like I call it an an irresistible offer? As I said, it doesn't matter if this is e-com, it doesn't matter if it's info product, doesn't even matter if you are selling software. So it's pretty much a framework that just takes it on a higher level and also looks on the, could say, psychological level also just what needs to be involved.
0: As an early entrepreneur, sometimes you are just kind of stumbling into things. And if you work in a framework, you increase your chances of success, which I'm guessing is the work that you do. So I just 100%. want to entrepreneurs who are listening to gain something from understanding what this framework is about. Let's go
1: into it. Yeah, totally. So the core pieces, that's why it's called four. You have four pillars. Um, and under these four pillars, I usually have four elements. Before you actually go into the four elements or the four pillars of the framework, of course, the core question is always... Who do you want to serve? Who is your ideal client? And knowing what problem you're going to be solving for them. That's kind of the foundation that you even need to know before you even kind of go into the pillar. So you need to know who you're serving. You need to know exactly what problem you want to solve for them. Um, And you want to know exactly where you'll be finding these people. Where are they currently already looking for solutions where you can kind of like grab their attention and kind of say, hey, I'm also here. Look, this is a a, a new, uh, different way of solving it. And I'll go into that in just a second. So that's kind of the, the first like step. Now, the next thing that is very important that the first pillar looks into, the first pillar is packaging. Packaging means exactly, okay, what am I going to put into my offer? And now, first, I need to shortly just dis- describe an offer is not the same thing as product or a service. An offer looks at the full spectrum of the problem and solution or the goal that your ideal client has. So it looks at the full journey and seeing what can I provide, what kind of help can I provide to make sure they succeed on this journey. And the first pillar of the of the framework looking at packaging, you look exactly okay, what different elements can I put inside my offer that solve their journey? Yeah, solve the problem. So number one in packaging, of course, is well, what is my like let's say, what is my core solution that I have? It could, that's usually your core product or service. But to know exactly, okay, do I present it in a way that it looks new to the market? Do I have some type of I P-involved intellectual property where I have maybe, again, my own framework inside. That's, again, why I say create your own frameworks because with that, you can make yourself different and unique in the marketplace. So having your own framework, having your own IP for your product and service, your method, you could also say, that you put in your your core piece of your your packaging. But now you need to look at other elements you want to put in there um, as well to raise the value value to look at everything that needs to be solved. And there's different areas, I'll just hit on a few. So number one, you want to look at other related problems that are involved um, that you're solving, but maybe other things you can also be solving for them that yeah, are are related. Let's just take fitness, for example, solving something in the area of fitness. They have a product, they have a solution in fitness. So thinking about, okay, what is a byproduct or a related problem that I can also solve? Say, okay, I have this supplement, but also maybe I want to tell you how you should maybe like a meal plan or something else that can align with that and can solve another problem. A lot of people struggle with being consistent. Okay, I'll tell you a framework or a way how to stay consistent. So just thinking more out of side of the box, what are people are struggling with, serve them on all these different areas. Another element in packaging is looking at how what can I put in there to speed up the process? What can I give them to get them quick results? Because that's always good for the customer journey for them to have quick results because they will refer sooner, a quicker um, happy experience. So putting inside something in the packaging to get quick results. And the last thing usually also is just to look at, okay, what are follow-up problems that you can solve? What are the next step problems that you can think, okay, I solved this first one, but maybe what is the next problem that might run into? How can I solve that as well or, or guide them through that or assist them with that? So packaging is the first pillar, looking at not only the one product or service, but to create an amazing offer. An example I like to use also for that, just to have a completely different area is, okay, right now it's... Not a lot of people are are able to offer their Airbnb or whatever housing, but if you would have something you are offering for rent, like your house, everybody's doing that. Everybody's comparing on price and features and bathrooms and view and all that stuff. But what if you went inside and say, hey, you get the home, and but you, what you will also find is an exact, let's say it's for family. It's going to be an exact guide for this area, what to do every day for your family that we can suggest, like on Mondays, you should do this. This is our three things I would suggest you do. On Tuesday, how about you go here and there? So kind of taking the guesswork out, out of the best places to go, the best place to visit, do that for them. And maybe even go on the next step and have coupons for these different places and work out deals with these different restaurants and activities and stuff to put that in there as well. So you see, now I'm not only selling a home or or um, property mm. for for vacation, but I'm thinking outside of the box. I'm solving the next problem: what to do. Maybe even giving them giving them great deals for that trip. Maybe even earning some money by doing getting a cut on that. But. Just being non-comparable by moving away from a product, from a commodity over to an offer that has more value.
0: It's a great way of really setting yourself apart and yes. moving away from that, competing on product and competing on service. 100%. That's absolutely amazing. But what is the next pillow?
1: So that was pillow number one package. So number two, three, and four, I'll go through a bit quicker. Uh, so number two is raising the value now of each of the elements. So we found these different elements through the different packaging strategies and some of the the basics I just told you. Now we want to increase the value of each of these elements. There's different ways to do that depending on what the elements are. But one thing, of course, if it's like, let's say it's a digital element, well then just make it visual, like let them see like um, ebook or mock-up or whatever to have it kind of like a more visual on it. Uh, What's even better is to have like comparison with other more expensive ways or alternatives. And also a very powerful way to raise value is to tell stories about the just the element. Like how did you figure it out? How much work did it cost you to create it? So having story behind each of the elements, why you did it and how maybe how much effort you put into it or how much you had to pay to create it, that will also raise the value of those elements. So those are a few ideas. So pillar number two would be raising the value. Pillar number three is also very, very important because no matter how amazing your offer is going to be, no matter how much value you put in there and how good you are solving the problem, you always have two things pulling on somebody's mind when they make this decision. So your amazing value and packaging we just went through is pulling them towards the the buying decision and saying yes. But something that's always pulling them away from it and saying no is, well, what if this does not work? What if I invest in this and I lose my money? What will other people think about me if I do take this step and it does not work if I fail? The risk involved, the consequences involved, if it doesn't work for whatever reason. So, pillow number three is solving exactly this problem and having a very bold risk reversal. So, I'm not talking about a 30 days money back guarantee that everybody does, and you hardly even read it and notice it anymore because everybody's doing that and it's not very high value. So, going that next step and creating bold risk reversals. An example: a very popular example is I think it was Domino Pizza. They did that back in the day. They said, "Get your fresh." hot pizza under 30 minutes or it's free. So Mm -hmm. what did they do? Number one, they said it's going to be fresh. It's going to be hot. It's going to be under 30 minutes. And if not, it's even going to be free. That's a no brainer. That's how Mm -hmm. they exploded because they took the risk. I'm going to order pizza. It's going to be cold or it's going to take forever. They took that risk and turned it into their unique different or their unique offer, actually. They even turned that risk reversal into their offer, a bold risk reversal that actually not now is pulling them away from the sale, but even pulling them towards the sale where they're like, hey, I got nothing to lose. And if I do lose, I'm still gonna win, let's put it that way. So you always think of ways that they cannot lose. Another wonderful example is a tutor. I saw this, Um, she said, hey, hire me and I will help you and your next grade will be at least one grade better or you don't pay anything. So I'm going to guarantee your next grade is going to be better, going to go down or up what way the, the system works in your country in Germany would be lower. Um, that's better. And then uh, so I'll get you from a three to a two. And if I don't, you don't pay me. So thinking of ways to have a bold risk reversal, thinking of ways how to guarantee results. So that's number three. And number four is having reasons to act now, because there's so many people that Yes, now see the value. Yes, they see now that the risk is being taken care of. But they say, I'll, I'll do it tomorrow, right? We all know that. <laughs> it's going to be tomorrow or next week. Even if it's a, it's, it's a great solution maybe to a problem, but we, we are just usually in the habit or so many people are in the habit of just postponing and not making a decision really quickly. So we see often like almost like 25% of people have this habit, you could say so we'll help them out and give them a reason to act now there are also again different ways to do this depending on the product and service and etc but one reason to act now is actually to ins- incentivize them like with bonuses special price or stuff depending on how your product is presented but to say hey, if you get it until then you'll get it cheaper what I'd actually like is not to go cheaper but you'll say hey you won't get maybe you won't get this bonus or turn it around and say hey if you act until tomorrow or two days you'll get this bonus so put it in the positive so i reward action taker to frame it like that. But another way, if you can't like work around with pricing and bonuses and packaging, just a very powerful way of doing this is just presenting what they're missing out on. The cost of not acting now is also a very powerful thing to present in a way like, depending on what the product and solution is, but let's say it's in business and increasing sales or whatever, you could say, hey, every month or every day, you're not taking us on this offer, you're probably going to be losing about, I don't know, $1,000 every day or whatever. So depending on the scenario, but telling them, explaining them, like not acting is actually costing you. So those are the different pieces. So number one, packaging. Number two, raising the, the value of each element. Number three is a bold risk reversal. And number four is reasons to act now.
0: Wow, oh, that's absolutely brilliant. I recently took the 10x challenge. And one of the things that they told us about in the 10X challenge with Grant Cardone was, you've got to become a marketing genius as an entrepreneur. And I'm listening to this framework, light bulbs are going off. Like this is preparing yourself to be a marketing genius. Like every entrepreneur needs to have some kind of a marketing framework that they stick within and perfect. It's absolutely amazing. One hundred percent. I read this you, thank online so and I have to ask you about it because it got me. How does one go from a business idea to a profitable seven figures you said there's a framework for this a four leverage points Every business can miss out to hit seven figures.
1: 100%. Yeah. So here's the thing. First, leverage points. I think everybody doesn't 100% maybe understand what leverage points means. So I'll quickly go into that. Imagine you have a seesaw, right? You're on a seesaw and um, you're going up and down, okay? To have a seesaw work, a normal seesaw you have on the playground, you you need to have both people be pretty much the same weight or size what to have it work. So like if I go on my seesaw and I have my, my son, he's currently five or actually turning six on Monday, it won't work or it's going to be hard because I just weigh a lot more. But what if we put in that that middle piece of the seesaw and move it towards my direction actually i'm going to be able to go on a seesaw perfectly fine even though i'm a lot heavier and he's a lighter weight than i am but because we we move that middle piece on the seesaw you are able to lift a much higher weight even though you are much lighter so that's leverage finding those moving pieces where you're able to move it in the right direction the thing we need to know is leverage also works in the other direction OK, if you do not do these things right, not using them or using them the wrong way actually can even work against you. But if you n- use them the right way, you're able to yeah, leverage them <laughs> and profit from them. OK, so that's these four pieces that we look at that we need to leverage. OK, what's number one? Well. We just talked about it. The first leverage is having an amazing offer. Because think about it, you take all this work and effort to get traffic, to get attention. Maybe you pay ads, maybe you do whatever. I don't know what you do to get attention, but you probably are hopefully. But now they see your offer, but it's not good. You have an offer, but it's not convincing. You have an offer, but it's not high value. So you are doing all this work, all this time, all this money maybe, but you have a better offer, you are having this deciding point that is hurting your conversions and all that work is pretty much wasted because the offer is not good. So the first leverage point, that's the first thing I always look at no matter how big the company is. I don't care if you're just starting or even if you are already multi-million. The first thing to look at is do we have an irresistible, amazing offer that is converting really, really well that goes by the framework I was just talking about. So that's actual leverage point number one, because let's take an example again. Let's say we have 100 people we're talking to, okay? And it's only converting at, let's say, 10%. Well, having an amazing offer won't only raise your conversion usually to maybe, let's say, 20 or 30%. But if done correctly, you can usually even charge more. So this means now, not only are you, you're still doing the same thing. You're still doing the same, you're still getting the same 100 people on the phone and your page on whatever. So nothing's changed there. But just we use this leverage point of creating a really good offer. Now, these same 100 people are number one, more people are going to buy. Number two, you're probably going to earn more per person, per sale. So that's leverage point number one, having an amazing offer. And that's why it was very important for me to create an amazing framework to take care of that. OK, that's leverage point number one. Now, number two is, OK, we have all that in place and we know we have an amazing offer. But the next step that we need to focus on is having the ability to have warm leads and warm. Yeah, let's call them warm leads or, or, or warm buyers come to us and not going out and, and trying to get them all by ourselves. So this is when we actually actually also like to talk about switching roles in this process. So in the first process, we're the entrepreneur. We're thinking about, okay, how can we solve this? How can we create the offer correctly? So we are taking on the role as an entrepreneur and creating this amazing, amazing offer. But now we need to switch roles. and Now we're moving from entrepreneur and now we're moving into the role of a technician because now we need to find ways to automate the process. So the next step, the next leverage piece is automation. Now, also an example I like to use here, actually, and a lot of your listeners are believers and Christians. So, um, and even if you aren't, it doesn't matter. It's still something you can use as an example. So we see that Jesus was on the earth and he did what he could as Jesus on the earth, but he left and brought the Holy Spirit. What did he say? it's better for you. And they were like, why, why is it better for us? I don't get it. Why Why don't you stay here? We want you. He's like, no, I gotta go because I have something better for you. I have the Holy Spirit. Well, what was one of the main differences? Well, one of the main differences was that Jesus, as Jesus could only be at one place at the same time, but the Holy Spirit was able to be all over at the same time. He could be touching these people over there, talking to them here, working here. So the Holy Spirit was able to be like omnipresent all over. Well, I see the same way With the steps is using the leverage of being present all the time. And that's where we use, nowadays it's possible, sales automation tools online. We're able to have ways to attract our ideal client, speak to our ideal client, kind of warm up the process, build that relationship on autopilot. And when they're ready, then we can, whatever your product and service is, call them, get on the phone with them, whatever. But it's leveraging that automation um, so that's the second leverage point where it's not only us, our time trying to talk to everybody, trying to build up that relationship, moving from like in every relationship, getting to know, dating, et cetera. So it's the same in business. We have those steps. And if we can have those first steps, like the, the, the dating steps, you could say on, on autopilot on, yeah, sales automation tools could be something like funnels, but it doesn't have to be funnels. It can also be YouTube videos, whatever, but having that um, in place that's definitely an amazing leverage point. Number two is going in as in the role as a technician and thinking about sales automation and building up that relationship on autopilot, usually by giving them something very valuable, very low, low ticket, very cheap, or even for free, where we just build up that relationship and then move them to that next step. So that's step number two. Step number three Is now we move our role from first we were entrepreneur, then we went to technician. Now we become marketer because now we have the the things in place, we have the automation in place, but now we can put on the fire, we can we can bring on the volume, we can have uh, more people, we can have bigger attention, we can have more people hear about us and what we do and how we can serve. So this is where we become the marketer. This is where we become louder, cool about what we can do and how we can serve. So the next leverage point is being a marketer, but again, leveraging. Yeah. So what way can we do it that we use leverage in the right way that we can speed up the process? Like in the seesaw, what, how do we move that in the right direction that with only a certain amount of time, because time is priceless, we don't get more time. So, how what can we do that with a certain investment of time and money we get higher bigger results. That's always what we're looking for, right? So, with being a marketer, one of the best ways is to see and find out okay, where is my audience number 1, and of course, who already has my audience, who already has that relationship with that audience and I can connect with them and I can use that connection and we can make either deals together, we can make joint ventures together, we can have them refer our products, give us a shout out or whatever. So thinking about, okay, instead of me trying to build up that relationship and attracting them, which we can still do, but finding newer, faster, better ways. And that is the one of the best ways is to find the people that already have our audience. Let's take Tony Robbins, for example. Tony Robbins, a lot of us know him. He's an amazing speaker known worldwide. Now, what did he do when he was launching his last book he went on um, i don't know the exact number but i think in two weeks he went on like 150 podcasts mm. and because he knew okay all these different people with podcasts or on facebook lives on instagram lives all these different platforms he was able to get attraction or get the attention from all these other audiences that already had trust built and relationship to that other person where he had the interview with, or we had the, the the Facebook live or whatever with. So thinking of those ways, like, okay, who already has that relationship? How can I get to know them? and using that relationship. So it's other people's uh, followers or other people's distribution channels. So thinking of those ways, that's a leverage point as a marketer you want to think of and trying to figure out, okay, where can I tap into these places? And then pretty much have that attention then brought to your automation system we were talking about and that will bring them to the offer that we created in step number one. So those are the three steps and also maybe very important. I usually look also like, okay, of course, depending on where the business is at, We don't do that all on day one, of course. So, if somebody's starting out or or scaling, they take care of the offer. When they hit certain numbers, and then we're like, okay, now let's go to step number two. They hit certain numbers, okay, now let's go to step number three. Now, if a company already is at, let's say, a million or two million or whatever per year, per month, it doesn't matter. We still usually look like, okay, do you do this? Do you do this? Do you do this? We can still use those leverage points no matter where you're at. But starting out, those are the steps you want to follow and the process you want to follow. Leverage point number four, step number four. We had entrepreneur, then we went technician, and then we went to marketer. Now, depending on the business type, what you're offering, how much you need for fulfillment, it could be that the next step is going into building team and systems so that you need to leverage not your own time, but find others where you take yourself out. The business is starting to roll and expand by hiring people and leveraging employees and therefore, just being able to serve on a higher scale and just being able to take in more yeah, fulfillment. But often I even like to think depending on the product and service, but usually we don't even do that. We look at I, I call it entrepreneur 2.0 thinking of, OK, we solve the first problem. We have automation. We are marketer. We have all this attention before we try to bring up the volume here or bring on a team, what is the next step from my existing clients that I can take them in? A lot of you maybe heard of the value ladder, things like that. So thinking of, okay, what is that next step I can help them with? What is that next step, higher value usually, like what is that premium offer I can offer them? Maybe only 10, 15% will take me on that. But Thinking of that next step, I can take and serve them in on a deeper way, in a more effective way. So instead of always getting just more people for the same offer, thinking of, okay, what could be the next premium offer I offer my existing clients? So that's usually the next step. And that's usually the fourth step for most businesses where they add on that next offer. That is a premium offer, a higher ticket offer. And usually that's like pricing wise, it's usually like five times or even 10 times more expensive than the initial one. So no matter what you have, uh, the premium offer will kind of be like 5x of that or even 10x of that, but needs to be higher value using the framework we've talked about before. Of course, it's still the same framework for that one, but looking at on that premium segment yeah. And that could, of course, be from moving from uh, a coaching to like uh, a bigger group to a smaller like mastermind or could be moving from if you have service base there where you're like, OK, but we actually ex- had this premium service where we even do more for you. We have this bigger package for you. So just thinking of different ways how to serve them on an even higher level. Um, a lot of people do like retreats, events. So. Having that higher, more one-on-one experience, that's usually that next step to think about.
0: Well, you could tell I'm just sitting back and just taking it all in. And I think our audience too is just taking it all in. We have to have you on again to talk to us about how to pitch, And to talk to us about uh, how to have biblical principles, what is the number one book that you would say an early entrepreneur should read?
1: Yeah, totally. So that's a very good question. And I think, of course, it's always going to be very different for a lot of people, like what they already know, what situation they're coming out of. For me, the main books that really helped me was from Russell Brunson, the dot-com secrets that... Open my eyes to just different ways of how to structure business, different ways how to use automation that we were talking about. So yeah, dot com secrets, I think is definitely an amazing book, which is more on the strategical side. Yeah, so that would be number one and number two if somebody's not nah, want more not on the tragical side but maybe more on the like mindset side i would recommend uh, it's called psycho cybernetics this is a very good book um, he's also a christian or was a christian he doesn't live anymore i think uh, an amazing book on mindset so that's more on the not so much on the business side but still it helps to see how mindset is so important to be successful
0: oh wow thank you so much for sharing that now i know we're running out of time i'm just going to ask you quickly danny what is your routine look like? What are the two or three habits that you make sure that you put into your day that contribute to just having a successful day, successful life, successful business?
1: Totally. Yeah, that is a very, very important big question because I know that even though you might have the right strategy and tactics, having good daily, weekly habits is going to be a game changer if you actually have that momentum you need. So yeah, my Daily habits um, actually start more maybe like with a weekly habit because my weekly habit kind of defines my daily habit. What do I mean with that? Number one, I map out my week in the beginning of the week or the end of the last week. I map out exactly like what I need to take care of. What are my to do's for the next week that will help me hit my goals, that will help me hit those steps I need to hit for my monthly quarterly goals, of course. So it starts out by mapping out my Week and knowing exactly, okay, which day I wanted, um, what I want to do. And then my daily habit is then mapping out the next day. So, knowing exactly hour by hour what I want to do, putting in buffers, of course, et cetera, but really not leaving it by chance, but knowing exactly, okay, eight to 10, I'll do this, 10 to 12, I'll do this. And if I don't, I'm not successful with something, I move it to the next day. So, mapping out day by day and starting the day. I think this is also very important starting the day with two things. I start the day with a morning routine every morning. So my morning routine is I go through my vision, my my goals. I go through affirmations, Bible verses and different things. I just say to myself, I read out, I have a long list of different things. I just speak over myself the way I want to be or need to be to, to be successful, not leave it by chance. That's also something that is described really well in this book, by the way. So having that morning routine of just speaking positive things over me, focusing on my goals, and then studying. Um, I spend about 30 minutes every morning, sometimes even longer, but usually 30 minutes at least just studying, just to sharp the iron reading books. Usually for me, it's reading books, reading a, a book that will just help me uh, improve, help me to serve my clients on a higher level. Yeah weekly planning, daily planning, and starting the day with uh, this morning routine, you could say, with empowering things, studying. And last, very important thing, review. Take time to do a review every week. That's what I do. I review every week, looking back, what went well? What should I change? What should I improve? Because again, that book describes that we are built to um, learn by mistakes, but we can only do that if we take time to focus on what went wrong, that we know what we need to improve and we will automatically improve every week if you build that in. So having that weekly review is also very, very powerful.
0: Okay, and our last question is what has faith meant to you on your journey?
1: Well, everything because it started the journey to be honest. Yeah. It started everything. Number one, I saw it from my parents um as missionaries that they were just led by faith to do what they were called to do. So that was something in the very beginning where I knew, okay, um, no matter what. I want to follow that calling, and that, of course, comes from faith and believing in in God and knowing that I can get clear directions for Him. Yeah, so faith for me is everything because that's where, number one, I know exactly what to do and what I'm doing it for. Um, As I said before, having eternal impact, yes, being a world-change entrepreneur, but knowing that that change will probably, from a lot of people, even last into eternity, which again, leverage is the mm. most crazy leverage anybody can ever have. Um, that's a seesaw you can't even imagine because eternity goes into eternity. It goes forever. So knowing that the impact we can have here through our faith will last into eternity, that's um, that's pretty crazy. So yeah, faith um, means everything.
0: Thank you so much, uh, Danny. It's been amazing having you on. I hope we can arrange to have you on again to just... I'd love share to. so much with us it's absolutely blessed our audience to listen to this because you've really shared a lot of great things that people can implement and change their businesses and really get back to the heart of why we're doing things and helping people thank you danny
1: thank you thank you so much for having me and i'd love to come on again thank you if
0: you got any value out of today's episode please do share it and leave a review let us know how we can serve you better And connect with us on social media, on Instagram, and on our Facebook page at Reinventing Perspectives. We'd love to connect with you. Also, do check out our latest book, The Christian Entrepreneur's Toolkit. It's available on Amazon.com. Thank you again for taking the time to listen in. Have a great day.